Poole Couch Podcast is a weekly conversation with Dr. Lakeitha Poole, a licensed professional counselor in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, about all things mental health and personal growth. The Emerald Couch Podcast is the go-to pop site dialogue for self-help, good laughs, and real talk. This podcast is not meant to be a substitute for seeking support from a licensed mental health professional and is for educational and entertainment purposes only. For more information about counseling and therapeutic services, or for assistance in connecting with a therapist in your area, visit our website at www.smalltalkcounseling.com. Let's start the show. and welcome back to another episode of the Emerald Couch. This is your host, Dr. Lakeitha Poole. Thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. I appreciate each and every one of you. Um, I hope that you have continued to listen and to enjoy what we've offered this season. We're getting close to the end of season one, and so I'm excited that um, you have expressed how much you have enjoyed, but I hope that um, the topics have been engaging, have made you excited about talking about mental health, um, and that you will keep listening in and also share with people um, in your network and in your circle. So as always, make sure that you have subscribed, whether that's through Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, or follow us on Instagram at Go Small Talk Counseling, or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash smalltalkcounseling. Um, and then all of that information, every single bit of it, can be found on our website, www.smalltalkcounseling.com. So make sure that um, you have connected with us in all ways and all forms, especially once we go on a little bit of a break at the end of the season so that you can keep up with what's still going on, um, even though we won't have new episodes coming out every week for a little bit. So just make sure that you do that. So jumping right into episode 33. Um, I want us to talk a little bit, um, and I think I promised this last week that we would, it is National Career Development Month, so most people do not know that November um, is a special time of year when it comes to thinking about job hunting, career-related services, career exploration, Um, so I really wanted us to just really talk about that job search and career development process, but also maintaining your mental health in it. A lot of folks don't always make a direct connection between um, the mental toll that it takes on finding a new job or changing careers. Um, that's why career counseling actually is its own area within um, the counseling world. And so I thought particularly this month it would be fitting to make this um, a special topic, but also to then be able to engage us all around how this fits with us maintaining our overall mental health and well-being. So just like last time, I think I mentioned that a lot of times Um, People are often pretty reflective this time of year, particularly about kind of their life journey and changes they would like to make in the future. And so, of course, these thoughts are inclusive of career. Um, If you guys remember a while back earlier in the season, we talked about occupational wellness as a part of our wellness wheel um, and those pieces of us that um, we need to be in balance in order to feel sort of well and that we can roll and that we can function 
um, enough. That doesn't mean it won't be something we have to work on, but it should definitely not be something we ignore. And so if you remember that, then you'd understand that um, anytime we become sort of reflective and think about changes and kind of our life journey, um, career is always going to be a part of that. So I think I've mentioned before, um, as a part of the American Counseling Association, there are special segments and divisions that are included. Um, and one of those is the National Career Development Association, which is um, abbreviated as NCDA. And they actually provide professional development, um, publications and articles, um, standards of practice, even advocacy work um, to practitioners, um, as well as educators who work with individuals who are making a career transition. And so their role in particular is to inspire and empower these individuals, which is what any of us who are clinicians do through career counseling techniques um, to achieve whatever their career and their life goals are. And so NCDA helps promote that career development through this sort of annual celebration of National Career Development Month, which I just think is awesome because a lot of times we don't make that connection between um, our mental health and our happiness within our job um, or, you know, transitioning out of a job and what it maybe takes to, to do that. So um, each November, all of us who, and I consider myself a career development professional as well, I have to do career counseling often within many of my roles um, with clients and obviously making sure that we always sort of make room for that and check in on that um, in the mental health and wellness process because a lot of times it can be a direct source um, of stress. So just making sure that we celebrate this month is kind of what I want to get into a little bit today. So one of the things that I think is really important is really understanding sort of the components or the anatomy of a job and what makes a job, one that we really, really like, and one that we really, really hate. Um, and so a lot of times we don't think about what does it look like um, to have sort of all of our needs met. And that doesn't mean that the job is going to be ideal and that, you know, you wake up every day singing on your way to work because you're so happy about everything um, that you're going to get to do that day. But I think being able to at least feel like you are working towards your goals, you are in a career path that you love, or at least this job that you have is going to lead to that, um, is very important. And so there are kind of seven key elements. And actually, um, if you Google search, you can find this particular activity, and I can put it on um, our website in the show notes. Um, but the flower is an activity that a lot of career development professionals use to think about um, the components or the anatomy of um, a job and what is what's needed in order for that person um, to feel like they are getting as much out of the job as they're putting into it. So the first of those is really making sure that that job serves particular values, goals, or purposes um, in that person's life. So, you know, do you feel like you're doing your life's work? Do you feel like you are helping towards a cause that you are passionate about? Um, those things are really important. The second is being able to um, use maybe the special knowledges about those particular values, goals, purposes that you have, and you're able to bring that into the role. You know, are you able to really create that um, opportunity for yourself? Or even if you don't have those special knowledges, are there opportunities for you to gain them? I think that that's also very important. Um, the third is using transferable skills. So things that you have gained, whether that's in your educational um, pursuits or previous jobs um, or even life skills 
how are you able to bring that into the role that you currently have in order to be able to um, feel like you're fulfilling your purpose? Um, the fourth is what does it look like in the sort of people environment that you are interested in most? And so for those of us who are career development folks, or at least clinicians who know a little bit of theory around career development, um, most people will be familiar with Holland's codes. Um, and this particular code um, or theory com is comprised of various codes that sort of identify um, the perfect work setting for people. And so there are six areas um, that really all of us can fall into, but typically there are three of those six um, that are most closely related to us based on, you know, personality, style, um, how we relate to others, those sort of things. So really being aware of that, um, and I guess maybe I'll have to, I'm thinking about this right now, have to think about a time where we can talk more about what those codes are and what they look like, um, because I think that'll be useful. Um, number five is working conditions. So a lot of times we don't think very particularly about like the space itself. So um, I'll be transparent. I had um, a job once where even though I needed to leave the job very much so, um, and I did, um, I had a beautiful office, like these huge windows. Um, so I could see kind of, you know, just as people walked into the building and obviously if it was a sunny and a nice day out, um, that helped even with my own mood because I felt like I had a window to outside of my little box that was um, in that particular building. As I transitioned from that role to another and to an office that I have now, I don't have any windows. Um, and so for me, I have to be very intentional about at some point every day um, in the day, stepping outside to get fresh air, to get some sunlight. And even if it's raining, just to get to see that um is sort of important just as I sort of work to maintain my overall wellness. So working conditions really matter. And so I don't always mean that it has to be structurally or based on the building, but, um, you know, are you in a space where you get to connect and talk with people? Um, do you have your own space? Um, I think that that's also important. Um, what, you know, how well kept is the is the building that you're in. So just things like that, that again, won't necessarily mean that you'll walk off of the job because of it, but it can affect your day to day as you try to manage um, maintaining your overall well-being. Um, number six is what level of responsibility as well as salary are you interested in? So a lot of times, um, we've talked about this on the Ebony's and the Ivory podcast, we often lowball ourselves around um, salary, thinking that um, you know, we'll get shut down or that that job offer will go away because of asking for something, you know, higher than what is offered. Um, and I think a lot of times if people were to sort of parallel that amount that they're asking for with the level of responsibility that would come with it, I think more of us would be more willing to ask for what we actually deserve. And so I think that that's really important. And obviously you have to do your research. You got to know what folks in that field in your particular state or in your region um, are making in that role. But um, it also is about what you're able to bring to the table. And most people say is the worst that could happen is that they say, no, they can't give you that amount. Um, but maybe they can drop it down a little bit, but it's more than what the original offer was. And so just being able to be intentional about that um, and, and knowing where 
you are comfortable before even going maybe into that job search process um, as far as salary and what level of responsibility that you have. Maybe you don't want to be an assistant director or director. Maybe you only want to stay sort of a manager or a coordinator um, because you want to be able to work more closely with the day-to-day operations of a place versus the more administrative roles that come with um, higher levels of leadership. So just giving some of that some thought as well, I think is important. And then lastly is the where, which is always um, interesting because I think you have people who are very intentional about like only living in certain places. And so they will only job hunt in those areas, uh, which sometimes can cut their opportunities or limit them. Um, But at the same time, there's a little bit of admiration I have for folks like that, because where you are, um, whenever you have to do sort of any task that goes beyond your day to day of just maintaining and surviving, it usually needs to be in some place that you actually like to be. So if you are a person that hates cold weather or hates um, overcast skies all the time, then somewhere like Seattle or Montana um, is probably not for you. So it's just figuring out, you know, based on geography, where do you want to be? Are you someone um, who, like me, is a Southern girl born and raised, and so you want to be in an environment that is um, somewhat similar? So then you may have to stay in more of a Southern, Southeast region um, as you job hunt. So just being able to give yourself permission to include that um, in the thought process, I just think is important. So those seven things are what makes up the flower um, activity and just being able to give, you know, some tips on how to create some um, level of thought prior to submitting those job applications is important. So then as you enter sort of the hunt process, um, I think that there's some tips that are really important to think about and to uh, utilize. And so uh, I think I've talked before about Glassdoor, um, and if I haven't on here, then now you know. But Glassdoor is a great website to um, do some of those things that I just mentioned in the last activity, checking you know the um, rate of salary for a particular role in a certain area, um, offering tips and articles on things that you can think about as you go into the interview process in particular. Um, so great website, and they offer um, tips on the job hunting process. And so um, I'm going to share these and then share some thoughts about um, some of them. So the first is to have a job target you believe in. So don't go after a job that you know for a fact that within a month you're going to hate it or you don't necessarily believe um, in the value or the mission of that particular role. I think being able to make sure that um, really are going after jobs that matter to you is important. Um, it would it would be awful to go through sort of the arduous task of getting employment, which is very difficult, um, and then to be in a role that you already knew going into it wasn't necessarily for you, you weren't particularly excited about it. Um, so just making sure that you have a job target that you, know, you can really, really believe in. Um, creating a plan. So being able to then say, okay, I'm going to apply to two jobs a day um, and having that sort of be one of the ways in which you can, you know, at least pace yourself, but also not get too overwhelmed with what it looks like to job hunt. Um, Develop your career story. So really giving 
yourself permission to think about, you know, how did you get to the point that you are now? How is your um, thoughts about a particular career path that either you're in or that you left? How's that changed? What changed it? Um, what does it look like moving forward? That's really important. It doesn't often come up in interviews, but I think, again, we're talking about maintaining your mental health and well-being in this process. You have to create a career story for yourself to know um, how you got where you are. Um, apply even if you're not a 100% match. So again, I'm talking about, I talked about salary with this earlier, but the same thing with like sort of the job skills that maybe you're bringing to the table. Just because you don't have every single thing listed under their preferred skills doesn't mean that you shouldn't apply. Um, I think that that's something that you leave and you're able to sort of advocate for yourself during uh, the interview process. And so giving yourself you know, room to say, well, I have 75% of these, then you know, those other 25 between submitting an application and your interview for you to figure out, you know, have you gained maybe some of those through other transferable skills? Is it something that you can begin working on even in this process because you know it's a field that you want to be in? And so whether you get that job or not, you're already shifting your mindset to think about what else you might need. Um, making sure that you go on informational interviews, another great tip. So there may not be a job opening at that dream company that you want to work at, but there may be a person who's in that role or in a similar role that you can at least chat with about, you know, what day-to-day looks like for them, what it took for them to gain um, that particular opportunity and what it looks like. Um, Tip number six is to brand yourself. Make sure that whether that's through your social media or Um, just in how you carry yourself, even in your current role, um, that you are using opportunities to become, you know, a known expert in what you do, um, or even what you're hoping to do, being able to create some sense of uh, separation between you personally and the career you're trying to create or the image that you're trying to present to the rest of the world is really important. And branding is a good way to do that. So just making sure that, you know, whether it's through social media, platforms like LinkedIn, um, or even if you have open sort of Facebook and Instagram pages, now those are also really great resources for um, finding folks in in all kinds of ways. Um, Just making sure you're representing yourself in the best possible way. Um, Become a star performer at your current job. So this is one that people don't really always like to hear, but while you are waiting or while you're in that interview process, it's really important to put your best foot forward in the role that you currently have not just for the reference that you maybe will need um, as you transition from one job to another, um, but that particular work ethic that you maintain that even if you're on a job that you're frustrated with, um, it's useful in maintaining your overall mental health and well-being as well. It goes back to, like I mentioned, that occupational wellness. So if you are in a role that maybe you need to transition out of because of um, you know, the folks that you work with are just not the best or you're not making enough. Um, if you are still in the job that is directly tied from your perspective to your purpose and to your overall career goals, you really need to be able to make sure that you are continuing um, to perform at an optimal level in that current role. And then the last one, making sure that you network with everyone that you might meet or come across. Don't just focus on the big wigs in the room. So if you have opportunities, go to professional development um, conferences or even social networking and outings. Um, Make sure that you are getting to know everyone. You never know who knows who. You never know 
who does what. Um, and so it's important that, again, almost going back to that idea of branding yourself, that you come across as someone who is open to opportunities and who other people would want to work with. So those are a few tips along with my commentary um, about job hunting from Glassdoor.com. So again, make sure you check those out as well. And then lastly, two things, again, that I think are directly tied to this job search process and our mental health and well-being. Um, And these are more tips from me or tools to think about um, that could be useful. The first is career mapping. I think that there is a lot um, of benefit in dreaming. And so when I say dreaming, I don't mean like going to sleep and, you know, having like visions. I mean, dreaming about what you want for yourself, what your purpose is, um, what next steps are for you. And a lot of times we have kind of lofty dreams and things that we want and we know we want to have a job where we can buy a certain type of car or a certain home. Um, but I mean, very specific, the same way that we kind of map out and plan out our daily tasks on the job, we should also do that with our overall sort of career development um, and well-being. And I will say for me personally, career mapping has been an activity that one of my mentors showed me um, several years ago that has changed my life. And so I think being able to recognize that um, there is a lot, you know, of benefit in dreaming about the next one, three, five, 10, 20 years um, and planning those out. And that doesn't mean that things won't change and that you also shouldn't include personal life milestones in the middle of those. Um, But there definitely is um, a benefit to just thinking about what that looks like. Um, And I can also add an example of what that um, can look like for you all in the show notes in case you're interested in what I'm even talking about with career mapping. But it just is a way for you to track kind of what's next. What do you want? What do you envision for yourself? um, And actually putting it down on paper versus keeping it all in your head jumbled up. Um, it just helps to be able to kind of see that and, and to remind you sometimes when you are having those crappy days um, of what's ahead for you or why you're doing what you're doing. So career mapping, haven't looked that up either. Use Google again today um, and do that. And then lastly, and I think we've talked a little bit about personality just in a variety of our topics on the show, but um, it's no different, um, the role of personality and career exploration as well. So Um, Oftentimes, and you'll see actually a lot of companies now using things like a Myers-Briggs personality inventory or MBTI, Myers-Briggs type inventory, um, to be able to kind of check people's personality as good for goodness of fit with a particular role. Um, I think that that, you know, is a useful tool as well. I don't necessarily know that it can be used to determine fully whether or not someone will do well in the job, but I do think that um, it can at least give you some initial data about fit. Um, The other thing that I like about the role of personality in career exploration is also you get to know a little bit more about yourself as well as the people that you work with to sort of figure out, you know, who's the best person for a certain project or the reason why you and that particular coworker just can never see eye to eye. Um, And it's maybe because you both function from two different areas when it comes to um, personality. And so just being able to have some awareness of that I think is important. And so there are tons of books out there to learn more about your personality, um, both just in general, but also um, in relation to career development. But a Myers-Briggs personality assessment is a great place to start um, because it helps you sort of understand how you're navigating your interactions with the world um, in general. So those are just some of my thoughts as we close out 
um, our National Career Development Month, but also hopefully useful and helpful tools to help you think very intentionally um, about maintaining your mental health and well-being in the job search process, in the career development process, as you may be transition roles. Um, it all plays a part and can definitely affect you. So just make sure that you are paying attention to um, what this transition is like for you or what this job search is like for you um, and finding ways to make it easier by pacing yourself, learning more about who you are, um, and then creating a plan, of course. So we're going to take a quick break right there and we will be back with our signature segments. Hey everyone, we are back with our signature segments for this week. First up is our pop psych moment of the week. Um, so last week, I think I mentioned that I had something planned and I decided not to talk about it, um, but now I'm going to. So, <laughs> and something else has happened within the last two days that I'm adding to it. So we actually kind of have two pop psych moments of the week. Um, they're both related to sport. One in particular is... Um, just something that I've noticed recently, I had the opportunity to travel um, to a away match for um, women's basketball team um, at LSU, and it was a very exciting game for a lot of different reasons for me because of um, both the work that I get to do with the athletics department at LSU as well as um, the opponent was my alma mater, Florida State University women's basketball team. So. Um, very exciting game. The ladies Tigers pulled off a win, which I was so excited about. Um, and they definitely worked hard um, to gain that win. So I am just ecstatic for them. Um, but it was interesting and it stood out to me both because I often go to um, our women's basketball games here in Baton Rouge, but then even traveling, I noticed um, there's a there is a very interesting difference in support of male versus female sports. And so when we start thinking about, um, you know, again, mental health and well-being and even sports psychology a little bit, um, to recognize that the value placed um, on male-dominated sports versus female definitely can take a toll on an athlete. Um, And so I would imagine, particularly because we're talking even about careers today, um, that there's a similar sentiment around male-dominated versus female-dominated careers and what support and resources are available. Um, And so I think in particular that week, um, which I think was last week, when I had this as one of our pop psych moments, um, I think it just really got under my skin because I noticed it both in Baton Rouge and thinking, okay, well, everyone, you know, loves like LSU football. And so maybe it's more tied to um, the fact that maybe people aren't as interested in basketball here at all. And so just getting to go to um, the women's team's home games and seeing how um, oftentimes, you know, I can like see everybody in the crowd because there's not, um, it's not a full house um, for any particular game. Um, and, and earlier last week as well, um, I had the opportunity to be there for the start of um, the men's basketball game, which followed the women's right after and the way that the arena filled in rather quickly and the excitement that um, came with that was um, just perplexing a little bit for me. And so I think, again, as we're thinking about 
careers and jobs and um, our mental state being um, at risk sometimes. It's being able to recognize what does play a role um, in the environments that we find ourselves in, um, not just based on the role that we have itself, but even just based on our gender sometimes. So I thought that that was very interesting. The other sport-related pop psych moment for this week is um, in reference to a recent post from an FSU fan um, about Coach Willie Taggart and FSU's losing season. Um, So the folks who don't follow Florida State sports, um, Coach Taggart is the first African-American head football coach um, at Florida State in history. Um, And the football team has not had a great season. They ended 5-7. and This will be the first time since the 1970s that they have had what's considered a losing season. Um, And so they won't be going to a bowl game. So, um, of course, fans, alums, whoever – um, aren't happy about that, but at the same time, uh, what later ensued was this post from um, an FSU fan um, that was laced with racism and hate speech um, towards Coach Taggart, as well as an image um, in which he had imposed an image of um, Coach Taggart's head on a body that was being lynched. Um, and so there's so many things that are inappropriate about that. Um, for so many reasons, and there's things obviously that we can get into about the political climate that we're in that is making lots of people think that things like this are okay. Um, what I really want to bring up most is this idea of like how we feel that there is like some sense of ownership of something that we don't pay for. Yes, you may buy a ticket to go to a football game, to go to a basketball game, to go to a tennis match. Um, However, we don't own the bodies of these players or of the coaches. Um, And at the end of the day, a coach can only do so much. It's the players who actually get out there um, and do what they need to do. Does a coach help prepare? Does, you know, a staff help prepare? Absolutely. But being able to separate um, someone's uh, coaching abilities and team performance from Who they are as a person, I think, is imperative. And so for this fan, and I'm saying fan in quotes um, because I don't think this person is a fan, um, to do something like that is just horrible. What I am proud about, though, is um, from an administrative level, President Thrasher um, of Florida State University immediately put out a statement um, calling the comments in the the picture unacceptable um, and denouncing, you know, that. Florida State has any um, affiliation or desire to be affiliated with such individuals. Um, And so I can appreciate that as both an alum, um, but also as a sports fan. Um, We are not entitled to own um, the people who are providing entertainment for us. Sports, while a very real thing, um, are not a real part of our daily lives like they are for the athletes who do all of the hard work to prepare and to get their bodies in shape or um, what they do every day. And so just making sure that we are being mindful um, of what our role is as a fan and as a spectator, um, but also reminding people that it's just not okay um, to utilize uh, your feelings about someone personally um, and connect it to sport and try to also link it um, to an institution of higher learning um, that does not support such a So. Um, interesting weeks I've had in sports, obviously, probably good reason for me 
to go on break soon uh, to be able to rejuvenate my mind as well, particularly around crazed fans and um, some of the disparities we see in gender and all of those things. But they're definitely interesting um, pop psych moments this week and hopefully give you a little bit of food for thought. Last up is um, our Small Talk Bookshelf. Um, so as I mentioned last week, and today actually is Cyber Monday, so I hope that you have gone online, whether that's to the Small Talk website, to our Instagram, to our Facebook, um, to get registered for our first women's wellness retreat that's coming up this January, um, Saturday, January 12th um, at 10 a.m. here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, and the theme is My Curated Life, creating sort of wellness in your day-to-day and crafting that on your own is our topic. And so I hope um, that if you haven't already and you are a woman that is listening and you are here in the area, um, that you will come and join us. Um, It's going to be an intimate but fun and exciting um, day. And so I'm looking forward to sharing all that. So that's back on our bookshelf again, because I think every woman needs a day like that. Um, But I hope that women here in the area will take advantage of that opportunity. And our actual Small Talk Bookshelf book for this week um, is related to our topic of career development, um, and it's called What Color Is Your Parachute? And so this book actually um, is several editions in at this point. I actually, during my master's program, um, it was one of the books that was used along with our textbook to help us learn um, career counseling and career development techniques. Um, and so it's by Richard Bowles. It's an excellent book, comes with a lot of activities. Um, actually, the flower activity I mentioned, sort of the anatomy of the job um, activity is in uh, What Colors Your Parachute. And so it's a great tool to utilize um, and to help, whether it's yourself or others, think differently about the career search process. Um, so it provides really great practical guide for job hunters, um, those who are changing careers or transitioning maybe from Um, one role to another within the same career, um, utilizing those transferable skills like we talked about, as well as thinking about, you know, okay, if you have found a career path that you love, how do you now start working towards like developing yourself as a leader within that field um, and continuing on that great career path? So if you haven't ever picked up What Color Is Your Parachute, even if you're not in the job hunt process, it's a great tool, um, useful resource. Um, and I think everyone should probably have it on their bookshelf just as a way to start thinking about um, always what's next, particularly if you're going to be doing a career map soon, it will be useful for you as well. So make sure you add that to your bookshelf. It's on Amazon and anywhere else you can buy books. Um, Richard Bowles, What Color Is Your Parachute? And that is our Small Talk bookshelf for the week. Uh, we don't have any Ask Dr. LP questions, so I'm going to wrap up the show right there and say thank you guys as always for tuning in for another week uh, we're almost in december which is crazy um, and we're counting down still to our season finale we have two episodes left um, so i'm really excited um, about us coming to an end but also it's very bittersweet um, i'll be away from you all for a little bit but i'm excited um, to get some rest in i think it's important for me to practice what i preach but also so that I can come back with fresh content, new ideas, new topics um, from you and get to hear back from you so that we can plan around that. So still two episodes left. So stay tuned in. Um, make sure that if you have questions, whether it's about our career related topics we talked about today or others that you submit them um, through the Ask Dr. LP portal on the website or contact us on social media. Um, and as always, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
And I will be back with you next week here on the Emerald Couch.